Hi, everybody. This is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary Day 142. It's now been three years, five months, and 18 days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. Today is all about hellos and goodbyes. I'm actually recording from my home studio for this episode because while we were in Washington, I managed to break my pinky toe. Ow! So farewell to hiking and walking, but never fear. It's hello to outside seabird ambiance and waves as I recorded today's special letting go segment on a dock alongside Puget Sound. Later on in the show, I will also share my personal thoughts from another spot along that same seaside path, recorded on the day after we said goodbye to my mother, featuring how BC Dave unknowingly provided me comfort by saying hello. So, after our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, I'll share what I needed to let go of the day I said goodbye to Washington and my former life. Then we'll hear comments from BC's Josephine, Petra, and Donnie with thoughts about our last show, where I shared a poem to honor my mother. I'll play the recording where I said goodbye to mom along the shore, and then, on a happier note, we'll celebrate a huge milestone with one of our newest BCs, Joe from the UK, and thank her for her ongoing support. I'll also share a couple of Joe's thoughts from past episodes. And I'm pleased, pleased, pleased as punch to let you know that we'll finish up our day of hellos and goodbyes by saying a great big heartfelt hello to the one and only Stephanie from Quebec, who returns with a brand spanking new secret topic of the day. So stay tuned while we listen to Josh, and then you'll hear what I needed to let go of in Washington that day. But I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a history that never really grows, I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a silent wind that never Josh, I'm so glad that I take you with me everywhere on my phone because here I am up in Tacoma and I'm going to do my Letting Go segment, a special on-site Letting Go from Tacoma, Washington, actually Ruston, Washington here along Ruston Way. I'm looking out over the water at where I used to grow up. I can hear the planes overhead going to Seattle-Tacoma Airport, which is where I'm going to be going soon. Trains, sea life, all kinds of things that remind me of growing up in Washington and remind me of home. And I'm hoping that we don't have quite so many planes right now because that's a little bit loud. But I have to tell you, brave companions, it's been a very emotional journey for me. I've been up here for a couple of days and we laid my mom's ashes to rest. And I got a chance to see some of my family and to walk around looking at some of the sights and sounds that are familiar to me from growing up and for my life spent in Washington. Now, I've been in California since I was about 30 years old. So I've been in California almost as long as I was in Tacoma. But wherever you grew up, 
I think it kind of marks you in your DNA. I was just talking with some of my relatives and saying, no matter how much I love California, and you know that I do <laughs> love California, the light of Tacoma, the sights of the water, the colors of the trees are just a little bit different. And something resonates deep inside me with, yes, this is what you're built of. This is who you are, is from this place. This is the place where you belong or where you fit in at a DNA level. I can't explain it because I love California and I like the weather there and I like the light there and I'm more cheerful there. I like the lifestyle and everything pretty much except for traffic in California and taxes. But Tacoma is a very special place. It's beautiful. The people here are relaxed and casual and friendly and they're just a little bit different. They're very much, I feel like these people. I feel like I fit in with these people. It's, it's a really odd thing. And yet I'm going to get on a plane and leave this place and go back to my new home, my new old home in Southern California. So you might be wondering, Lori, what are you letting go of today besides your parents? <laughs> and other things like that. And what I realized is I am now moved into the more senior generation. My aunts, my uncles, there's, there's still a few left, but so many of the relatives who were the quote-unquote adults or the grandpas and grandmas or the generations that were stacked up between me and the great beyond are now gone away like the leaves falling off of the trees in fall. And the little kids that I played with and Mark played Swamp Monster with and the sound and script rocks with, they're all graduating from college or getting married or they have kids of their own. They're all the young adults now. So we're no longer the young adults. In fact, we're not even the regular adults. We're definitely on the senior side of adults. Now, I don't mean that we're ready for the walker. Mark and I, of course, are doing a half century for my birthday, and you guys are still welcome if you want to go sign up for the Solvang half century in 2018. But it's a different feeling. Remember, most of my life, I was a child, a teenager, a young adult woman in Tacoma, and then all of my middle adult years were spent in California. So when I come to visit with Tacoma, when my mom and dad were alive, or even when my mom was alive, I was still kind of one of those kids. One of my mom's kids is who I was. That was sort of my Tacoma identity. I'm one of these kids. And it really hit me in this trip that I'm not. The kids are the people following me. <laughs> and the little kids are following them. And the little kids are following them. And so my perspective has changed. And I think that's kind of a good thing, Brave Companions. I think in a way with age, you get your aches and pains and parts of your body start to droop and flop down to places that you can't even imagine when you're younger. But you also get some of that meditation mark wisdom. You get the ability to let go and to appreciate and to know that moment by moment, this is really what we have. 
We can remember the past. We can hope for the future, but there's no guarantee. And how we see things depends on our point of view. It's just like when I'm hiking up the mountain in California. What I see depends on where I stop and how far up the trail I am and which direction I'm facing and what the weather is. And I think each moment in our life, as we stop to consider, where are we? What, who are we? What are we doing right now? How do we feel about things right now? Depends on what path we're on and how we stop. Like when we're on some kind of fitness or diet plan in order to change our size, we might evaluate where we are by how well we followed that plan or what the scale says or how we fit into our pants or what new muscles we see or how many extra miles we could go. Or when we were in college or in a trade school or learning a career, we might evaluate ourselves by, you know, did we pass our class? What grade did we get? How much closer to our degree? How many resumes? Of course, I don't even know if you send resumes now, but. Anything that we're trying to do or accomplish, we set external goals for ourselves to know where we are. But in life, what are these external goals? Is it the birth of a child, the graduation of ourselves from something, our getting married, our getting divorced, our parents becoming older, our parents passing away? What are the markers that let us know that, hey, we're in a new place? Because of reality, we're always in a new place. The moment that I had um, when I first sat down here at this table at the water park across from Tacoma and began talking to you, that was 10 minutes ago. And that lorry is gone forever. That lorry is a memory. The getting up early, walking here, getting my cup of coffee, sitting down, setting up my recorder, that was in my very recent past, but it's gone. And I'm thinking to myself how once I'm done recording this Letting Go segment, I'm going to walk as far as I can down Reston Way to see all the sights and sounds of the water, new construction that's gone on. I'll greet the people who are also up. There's a lot of people with their baby strollers or on their bikes or with their dogs or just walking along like me. And that's going to be in my future, I assume. <laughs> Of course, I stubbed my toe on my way out here, so maybe I won't walk as long as I think. But my point is, it's really hitting home to me that we need to let go of everything that isn't in our present. And we need to let go of things that hold us back or primarily make us sad, like this last year since my mom died has just been horribly sad in many ways. Memories hit me. I, can't, I couldn't believe it. You know, it was like being in shock because all of my life, there's been my mom in it until this year. All of my life, there's not been a world without my mom in it. Now, I didn't live in the same town as she did, but I could call her, text her, see what she put on Facebook, hear <laughs> jokes and for almost a year now my mom has not been in my life anymore and there's people from celebrities who've passed away to friends I haven't seen for a really long time changes in circumstance lots of things in your life change 
lots of things move on. And sometimes I think I don't move on as easily <laughs> to adjust to the new circumstances that my life is in. And I think I've given myself a lot of pain that way, kind of fighting against it, fighting against that chain of things are different now. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. And I struggle and struggle and struggle and wish things were different. What if, what if, if only those regrets or dissatisfactions, that lack of appreciation for whatever it is that we have in our current situation, our current life. Like this trip, I know for a fact, I no longer have a living mother or father. But in this moment, I do have relatives who are here and glad to see me, and I'm glad to see them, who I spend time with. That's a blessing. I have the ability to look out and see some of these sights and sounds of my life here that bring me happy memories and joy. That's a blessing. Mark came with me <laughs> and is supporting me through this, and that's a blessing. You know, different PCs have been posting on Facebook or sending me messages or commenting on Instagram, supporting me in this. Like right now, real time, they're noticing that I'm here and saying we're thinking of you today. Thank you. Mm. It means the world to me because you VCs are part of my present. Those of you that I know about and communicate with me, I feel you. <laughs> I know that you're there, and that makes me feel supported and loved and like this new life that I'm having matters. And even that's a little bit of illusion because I think for us all, whatever we're up to, if we're doing our best and trying to give and receive love, even if it's smiling like in Mark's meditation, if we're smiling at strangers and saying hello, that's giving love. If we hug our families and say, I love you, that's love. If you pet your cat. And the more I live, the more I see that what's important is exactly that. How much love is it that we're giving so that we're able to receive it back in our hearts so our hearts <laughs> become like this conduit of feeling that goes beyond chips, goes beyond trying to not feel pain. So our hearts are allowed to feel the joy that we get to experience in these moments of our life. So brave companions, I'm going to let go of who I was in Tacoma and I'm going to embrace who I am right now in Tacoma as I take my mom's pants because I put on a pair of pants of hers <laughs> that I kept as a souvenir. And I'm gonna walk her pants down Rushton where she has walked before. And I'm going to treasure every single moment. And when I go home, it's going to be a new day and I'm going to enjoy the person that I am in that moment. So goodbye from Tacoma, brave companions. And I look forward to the next time I climb up the mountain with you.
us brave companions, that was a very emotional letting go experience. And our last episode was emotional as well, as I prepared myself for the journey home and shared a poem in honor of mom. V.C. Josephine sends me the following comfort via comment. Oh, Lori, sweet and tender beyond words. My heart came near to bursting when you read your poem. My thoughts are with you. I replied, thanks, dear Josephine. It was a little bit hard to let myself release that show, but I feel that mom would understand and hope it might help others build and appreciate their relationships a little better. She really did support my writing and poetry and cartooning and all manner of my creative pursuits. I miss her so much, and I am happy that I have friends like you to support me in the good and the bad right now. XOXOXO. BC Petra also sent love via comment. Hi, Lori. What a lovely poem. My thoughts are also with you, Petra. And my ever-faithful friend Donnie wrote, while I was still actually in Washington, You, my friend, are a sincerely strong woman. I admire you in all sorts. Tender thoughts with you during this challenge in your life. I know it'll help you be stronger than you already are. Life's lessons make us who we are. Stay strong and true to you. To which I said, Thanks, Donnie. In a weird way, it is helping me with closure. Up here, I am face-to-face -face with my lack of parents and also with my wealth of remaining family and friends who really care. XOXOXO. And a great example of that caring is the unexpected way BC Dave gave me comfort by reaching out on the morning of Mom's interment. I recorded these emotional thoughts the day after. Today I'm sitting out on a dock in front of the hotel where I stayed and the dock juts out over Puget Sound, directly across from the place I grew up, which was a community called Browns Point. Now back in the day, it was sparsely populated. There weren't a lot of people out there. There weren't a lot of fancy houses. It was a different world. And yet as I look out on the ocean, well, the sound, where my family took their rattly old homemade boat out to go fishing, to go explore the close by islands, to experience the Northwest from the water. It brings back just so many different memories. And it's weird because I feel compressed through all my ages. I'm here as a really young girl. In fact, a baby in a wash basin, getting a bath on the boat, a little girl in a life jacket running around on the outside, fearless of the boat, looking at the jellyfish of huge different colors and watching the fish jump, sitting on my daddy's lap while steering the boat and feeling like I was in control of everything when really he was the one making the boat go. Behind me, I hear trains Tacoma is an industrial town still. So we have the port of Tacoma where a lot of freighter ships come in. There's a lot of freight trains that go through. A lot of passenger trains go through on their way up to Canada. Yesterday we took my mom's ashes and she was laid to rest alongside my dad. And it was emotional to go back to the cemetery where my dad was buried and to watch them make space for her. 
I went with some of my family and we said a few more words and I held the container of her ashes and felt for a moment that my mom was actually there with me and us. And I kissed that container that was decorated with rainbows goodbye. When I first landed in Seattle this time, it was very hard because as you know, most of my life is in California. And so it intersected with our visits back home to Washington where I'd come and visit my mom and my dad when he was alive and my family and family reunions and other reasons to come to Washington. Or mom and dad would come to California and visit us, mostly on Thanksgiving, but other times there's memories of when they came to visit or I would call my mom on the phone and those memories have kind of integrated. But when I landed in SeaTac, this was the first time ever that I didn't take out my phone and call my mom immediately on landing and say, Mom, I made it. Because the last time I landed in SeaTac, my mom was still alive. And I didn't know that this would be the very last time that I called her and said, Mom, I made it. That got to me. That, that was one of the worst moments I've had since my loss. <laughs> and I thought, well, things are going pretty good. You know, I'm sad and I'm regretful and I'm processing all of these things. But in that moment, when I went to reach for my phone to say, Mom, I made it, and realized there was no one left to call, <laughs> That was the start of my saying goodbye for real. And then we went to the cemetery and we watched them put that rainbow container of ashes down on top of my dad's coffin and fill it back in, put the turf back down, put the temporary grave marker there where a two-sided marker will now appear. My dad's information on the one side, my mom's on the other. And we chose for that the phrase, you'll always be in our hearts. Because my mom had so many friends and was so beloved by so many people. We didn't wanna just say beloved wife or mother or grandmother. We wanted a phrase that rang true for all those that she touched. After that, our family went out <laughs> down to Kent. So hi, Dave. BC Dave and I had been texting earlier in the day in Tacoma, and he was reminding me that he lived nearby. And so I was actually in the city where he's from. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if I was here for another purpose and I could text him and say, hey, do you want to meet for a cup of coffee or go for a walk or something? But Dave, it did give me comfort to go there and have that thought that I was near a BC and near a friend, near somebody who is part of my current life. That if even an important part of my family has passed away into a new realm <laughs> and that my life has turned into a whole new realm, it was comforting 
to not only be there with my family, sharing the memories of the past, but for a brief moment to think about the BCs and share a moment of my future. As I'm sitting out here on the dock, looking across at my home, I'm watching ducks and Canadian geese just kind of chilling and floating on the water because it's a very still day. There's very little wind. So it looks like glass or a lake rather than the sound. And as you watch them enjoying the sun and just floating along, hoping for a fish to go underneath, you realize that in their world, it's a beautiful day. And that's a lesson. Despite the ups and downs and the trials that we have in life, we can look at the sun or a calm piece of water, hear a beautiful piece of music, enjoy the feel of our favorite socks on our feet, pet a cat, hug a kid, smile at a loved one, say hi to a stranger, and say to ourselves, our life today in this moment can be a beautiful day too. So thanks for listening, brave companions. You just don't know how much your caring has helped me. And I want you to know that I too do care. And our relationships that we've been growing, even just through the show and comments or just knowing that you're out there is real to me. And it makes a big, big difference. So smooches from Tacoma, and hopefully this segment will be part of a show that's a little more cheery. But I love you. Mm. Thanks again, Dave, for saying hello that day. And I truly hope the next time I visit your hometown, we can have a meal or a walk and create some good memories. It's time to celebrate! BC Joe from the UK has caught up with all 141 episodes in record time! Well done, Joe! And don't forget to print out your celebration certificate. You can find it on the Who Are the Brave Companions page, and I'll leave a link on today's show notes as well. Also, here's a special, special smooch for you. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for also being the newest member of the Coffee Clatch. That's the group that supports the show financially by sending me virtual cups of coffee. I appreciate that so much, and I've added you to the Coffee Clatch email list for fun and silly stuff. If you would like to support the show this way, too, you can find buttons on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com for both ongoing subscription and one-time cups of virtual coffee. As Joe has been catching up with us, she's been commenting on some past episodes and blog posts and supporting others. Here are just a few examples, and I'll leave links to these comments so you can say hello back to Joe yourself. On my blog post about my infamous, mortifying house of dusty horrors, a true tale of comic horror from when a service person unexpectedly entered my residence after a very, very, very long housekeeping lazy streak. Joe from the UK writes, My house is low on my priority list, and try to keep the basics clean, but with a DH who has no interest or inclination to assist, I find myself sliding farther from the clean house that would make me feel better, I'm sure. 
And I reply, laughing out loud, yep, I'm there, sister. With us, Mark does help, but is more focused on the garden. We both enjoy when the house is not so mortifying, but it is a huge challenge for both of us to get our focus there instead of on some other shiny thing. I'm happy to report that while we have had some hairy moments, our house has never approached that level of mortification again. Sending small task house vibes for you. That is the only way I can stay afloat. A little most days and an occasional big project day. XOXOXO. Joe also comments on day 106 when I had a huge unexpected visit from the robot aliens and she earns a place on the bravery report as she shares some more of her own story with us. OMG, I heard it in your voice. The disappointment and frustration of the binge. The over-analysis of why and wherefore and struggling to recover without pulling back the boots of restriction. I am struggling with overeating at the moment, but I am going through some personal and health challenges, so I'm cutting myself some slack until next week. The 5-2 diet worked well for me, and I will probably go back to that and try to dismiss my binges, whereas today I am just letting the overeating happen, with no guilt or repercussions. I am compulsive in so many areas of my life, and recent events have left me incapable, where I am normally so capable, and therefore I understand my overeating demands at the moment. I hope you are still doing well, Lori, and being kind to yourself. Take care. I loved this comment as it gave me new food for thought that helped me now in my life. I wrote back, Thank you, Joe. When I started the show, I promised raw and real, though it is tough to show my negative self. This is an example of it. It is shocking, no? But what's encouraging for me is that those levels of binges were my norm for most of my life. Restrict like crazy, huge blowout hate myself more for lack of control, more restriction to fix and punish, repeat, repeat, repeat. I literally gave my life over to eating, dieting, and body issues. I squeezed out people, creativity, even housework. There's an excuse. Exercise was more important than almost anything. Eating the right thing, more important than social events, etc. Of course, I didn't realize this. This pattern felt normal part of my DNA and my identity. Most of the show was, and still is, in the reboot, me learning to not only understand these forces, but to have compassion for myself, a very hard task for a perfectionist. Today, while I'm very peaceful around food, I realize that I'm falling into some of my pattern in voice acting, and perfection does not work there. One must let go and learn to trust. So voice acting is another opportunity for me to learn and to forgive. I guess that might be my purpose in life. Learn stuff and forgive stuff. Thanks for your support. It means the world that people who experience the non-perfection that is my truth still root for me, hang with me, and hold me in their affection. XOXOXO. P.S. I'm sorry to hear that you are having some challenges now. I agree that losing the feeling of capability is a huge trigger. Whatever plan you choose for your eating, I wish you well. And know that you are an awesome, loving soul who cared enough to reach out. XOXOXO. A great example of how Joe has been busy supporting other BCs is this one from Day 135, the show where I had a run-in with the deer on the mountain. Joe writes about Kevin from New York's loss of his mom. Dear Kevin, 
So sorry for your loss, and I echo Dave's comments. Lovely words, Dave. And after Donnie reported in that episode that she was feeling better, she writes, Dear Donnie, so pleased to hear you are feeling better in this episode. And to me, who was struggling again with the mortifying house of horrors, <laughs> Dear Lori, I hear you read your house. I find a habit tracker where I am reminded to clean the sink, worktops, toilets, and bathroom sinks, and do one thing a day helps me keep the madness down to a low-level lunacy. Welcome to all new BCs that have joined since the reboot, me included. Binge from episode one to within two from the end, 139. We are all worthy of love and respect from ourselves, Joe. Well, Joe, my dear, I am so grateful for all of your support in your review on iTunes, your virtual cup of coffee, and all your comments and willingness to share your story. It is a very fun hello I send out to you, and I hope you and the other BCs will have some fun new adventures together as we plunge ahead into the unknown that is Compulsive Overeating Diary. And speaking of the unknown, I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to announce that it's time for... Stephanie's secret topic of the day. For new BCs, the way this works is the wonderful Stephanie from Quebec sends me an audio question via email. I do not listen to it at all until it is time to record the answer in the show for which it will appear. So you will hear Mark announce the feature. Then Stephanie herself asks her question. And then I'll record my answer that I actually pull from thin air or somewhere else I'm not going to mention after hearing Stephanie's question. So, take it away, Mark. In a world where robot aliens beam down to silence truth with sneaky weapons. The human has been neutralized. Lori and a ragtag band of brave companions seek training to overcome robot aliens' stealth attack. A new voice of hope shines bright in the Zin place. Introducing Stephanie's secret topic of the day. Bonjour Laurie, bonjour les braves compagnons. This is Stephanie from Quebec. So Laurie, it's been a while since I've been uh, done a secret topic, and and the thing I want to talk to you about today, um, it's going to take a while before I I get to the topic. I need to make a little detour to come back to my topic, but. Um, I want to tell you a little bit, a story about my boyfriend. So my boyfriend, uh, Richard, the other day he lost a glove. He had, you know, a pair of gloves and he lost one, one of the gloves and he was looking and looking and it took him about two weeks to find the second glove. And when he found the second glove, he was so, so happy. I mean, genuinely happy. And, um, he came upstairs and he said, Stephanie, I just found my glove. I'm so happy. I just found my glove. And um, I found that really, you know, cute. And um, how could I say, like, um, I, w I was wishing that I could be more like him in the sense that um, 
if that would happen to me, and probably you would feel the same with too, uh, as I've listened to you many times talk about stuff like that. If that would happen to me, I would be, you know, pissed, pissed at myself for losing the glove and, um, you know, just banging on my head for, um, you know, not taking care of my stuff and uh, basically, you know, just not being in a good mood, right, about it and not proud of myself and everything. So, and that's kind of, that story for me is kind of a metaphor about the subject I want to bring to you because the thing about intuitive eating and mindfulness, which, you know, intuitively makes sense, um, I really like that approach, you know, being mindful, trying to listen to your body more, trying to listen to your uh, your signals, trying to understand yourself better. You know, I it all makes a lot of sense, um, this approach, right? But the thing about mindfulness is you need to be mindful. And I know this sounds kind of, sounds kind of obvious, right? But... When my boyfriend lost his glove and he found it, he didn't need to be mindful about being happy. He just was, naturally, right? And that's mainly how his personality is. And it's probably exactly the opposite of what my personality is, you know? I will get mindful. So if I would lose the glove, I would say... Okay, Stephanie, stop ranting about this. Just be happy. You found your glove. And I would end up by being happy because I would force myself to mindfully um, change the way I'm thinking or, or let go of the way I'm thinking. So that that's kind of my rant. I wanted to hear you about that. The thing about, you know, mindfulness and, and intuitive eating and everything, it makes full of sense. But, you know, sometimes I just wish... It was, it came to me naturally with, with no effort. And I know that with practice, you know, I might get better and actually I do get better, but there's always, you know, the sense of, I need to work on it. I just wish it was easy. So I wanted to uh, hear your thoughts about, about my rent. So have a good day, Lori. Take care. me <laughs> I had to actually stop for a few minutes not to cheat and think but because I was laughing so hard not at you but with you and to your boyfriend Richard here's a big smooch Mwah. I'm happy that you naturally are happy that you found your glove because you are correct Stephanie if I lost my glove I would be spending many days like oh where did I put that glove now if I buy a new glove I've wasted the money and if I found the glove after buying another new gloves I'd really be pissed off because now I have extra gloves and I wasted money and it would go into all kinds of crazy compulsive stuff but the journey that I've been sharing here with you guys on Compulsive Overeating Diary is how I've been learning to apply mindfulness to eating. And it ain't easy, sister, I tell you. It is not easy. And anyone who says otherwise is a liar. Because those people to who intuitive eating is easy are those who do not have eating issues. 
Now, I've spent a great big part of my life being jealous as heck of those people that do not have eating issues. But I've found that even if they don't have eating issues, they might have other issues. They might come from troubled families. They might have abuse in their life. They might have people with gambling issues, or they might not have gotten the job that they hoped for. You know, everybody has something. Mark always says, it's your time in the barrel. And by that, he means... It used to be people would try to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel because, I guess, for the thrill and to get rich, and hopefully they didn't die. Now, a lot of them did. But it's a saying that we all spend time in the barrel, which means that even when your life is going really, really well, your time is coming to be in the barrel because there is no life on earth where things just go smoothly. But for those of us with the compulsive bent, we see these bumps in the road as something we could do something about. Let me say that again. We see the bumps in the road as something we can do something about. That if only we had done something different, we would not have lost that glove. The fact that that glove is lost is completely and 100% our thing. The fact that we had a binge is 100% our fault. If only we could have been better, more peaceful, more mindful, we would not have gotten into the cupboard and eaten that whole bag of chips or the whole bag of Oreos or whatever it is that we might eat. We think that somehow, if we chose better, we could smooth our path out. And you're right, dear, it is exhausting. Exhausting as all get out. To have that level of control over everything in our lives, it is exhausting and not fun. You know, I wasn't going to talk about numbers. I still weigh over 200 pounds, but I weigh probably less now than I did at the least in the show. Because after mom died, I gained a lot, maybe 20 pounds, but I have since lost that and a little bit more. How did I do that? I don't know. But all these years of of really working on my emotions and paying attention and doing all this grungy, drudging work is helping me to maintain a better relationship with food. So food isn't quite the siren call that it used to be. And so for me, these years of doing it is making it get easier. And I agree with you. I wish it didn't take me all these stupid years for this intuitive eating to kick in. And I also wish that the minute that it did, my body would have dropped down to 150 pounds. It didn't. I think my body likes to be around this. I'm still hopeful that maybe I might hit 191 because that was the weight I was when I rode around the big island of Hawaii when I was 50, and I felt so well then. But, you know, I have to also say that I resonate with your story and with your rant in the voice acting, and I know that you've caught up through at least most of these, that I am pissed as hell that my voice, well, pretty good, (laughs) is not one of those fantastic voices that makes everybody turn around and say, you should be in cartoons, (laughs) or you have that voice of God thing that, you know, is just wonderful. 
because it is so rare. It is so rare that somebody's voice print, which is sort of the sound of your voice, right? Just the voice without the acting in it, just how the mechanics of the pipes that you have and what you sound like. It is so rare that what you sound like is so fantastically special that without doing a boatload of work, <laughs> you get booked into cartoons or other things. Now, the exception is if you become a famous actor first, but it's not that much easier to become a famous actor on screen and then that way get into the cartoon than it is to just become a really good voice actor. But I've been working in voice acting now for almost as long as I did compulsive overeating diary. So here I am. I work out with pros. I know a lot of voice actors who are in some really great things. I hear my friends on the radio, in commercials and on television. I know in cartoons and animes, a lot of the people who are doing these things and they say to me, well, Lori, what have you done? And I'm like, uh, hmm. And I have to be honest with you is I don't even really count Compulsive Overeating Diary, even though this show, by all accounts, is a pretty good success for me. Not monetarily per se, but it's a success because all of you BCs around the world are engaging and liking the show and being helped by the show and sending comments or or audio like you did, Stephanie, and that's a really cool, big deal thing. And my friends who participated in the show and did a story or did Dave and the Robot Aliens, they put that on their resume as a credit. But I don't because I feel like, wow, the only person who's going to have you do something is yourself. Does that sound familiar? That I'm not good enough for anybody to want me, so I have to do it myself. And I think that kind of plays into your rant too. It's just absolutely exhausting not to have faith, not to have faith that we're good enough, not to have faith that we can figure out what to eat, not to have faith that our body will eventually become what we might like. Intuitive eating is by far, by far the hardest thing I've ever done when it comes to food. Diets are so freaking easy. Just count your calories or limit your carbs or give up all grain or whatever it is that you're going to do. Just, you know, write it down in your food journal or put it in your app and you can look at it and say, okay, I've made all the correct decisions today. And if I make all my correct decisions, then... I get on that scale and I'm going to find that it's, you know, it's smaller. I've lost weight so many times. Dieting is really, 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 really easy. Trying to be intuitive is very, very hard if you have been mired in the compulsive mind space for as long as we have. So you might say, what motivates you to keep going? It's the same question of what motivates me to continue to send in auditions <laughs> for voice acting. I do have faith. I don't know why, but I do. And part of that is, what's the alternative? If we give up on ourselves, will our life be better? We might have a temporary relief as we just give in and do whatever it is that we're going to do anyway. But our life, if it didn't make us happy at the start, 
isn't going to become any better if we give up. If I want to be a voice actor, which I do, I can either say, well, it's been a couple of years now, almost three, in fact. It's been a couple of years, and I made so much progress, and I've gotten a couple of agents, and I work out with pros, and I do all these things, but it hasn't hit for me. I might as well just, you know, tear down my studio, go back to something else, you know, watch more Survivor on television, Pet Tiger, do those kinds of things. But that would make me sad because I love voice acting. I love the people that I do this activity with. I love the process. I can see and hear how much better that I've gotten. And I need to give myself credit. Just like in my body, and it's not the fact that I'm 20 pounds down that makes me happy, though it does make me happy, but that's not the point. Like I said, I could have lost 20 pounds much easier by doing Weight Watchers or just getting back down to 1,500 calories a day or doing something like that. But what makes me happy is that I no longer have fears when I go into a social environment. That is a big deal to me, that it's okay if there's a party coming up or someone invites me to dinner because I have a lot of experience now with eating whatever I want, just a little bit of it or whatever it is, and I don't have to worry. And having that worry off my brain gives me a lot of space. And in order to get that, I had to do the work. And I think most things in life, we have to do that work. But where I think the rant also comes from, Stephanie, is that you and I are naturally good at doing a lot of things. So some of the things in our life is easy, right? Easier than for other people. Some things that we do is actually easier than for others. And we enjoy that, don't we? (laughs) I do. (laughs) Hey, I tried this. I'm really great at it. Wait, hooray. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel worthy. When I try something and, bah, not the best, it gives me a feeling that's very, very familiar of, you, Lori, aren't good enough. And I think Richard, your boyfriend, might not have that feeling. Maybe how he grew up was different, or his brain chemicals are different, or he got the genetic lucky lotto. (laughs) But I don't think that he walks around feeling, overall, not good enough. So I think he doesn't have to put pressure on himself. You know what I mean? Things we're just good at, we know we're good at. Things that we are, that we believe, we just are. We don't have to put pressure, whether we're working or we're not working. Yeah, that's exactly right. The number one comment I get from coaches and others in my voice acting is that I try too hard. Just talk, they say. Just talk and let yourself shine through. And then it's fantastic. But you, Lori, try too hard. Because I think I have to do something to make it right. And letting all that control go, my friend, is what's hard. And I think from the outside, it's easy to look at others and think they've got it. They have it but they don't have it all. I've learned that too. 
So thanks so much, Stephanie, for your question. I don't know if this helped at all, but it has helped me because I realize that somehow I need to become more intuitive when it comes to my auditions. And maybe one of these days I'll get to tell you, hey, BCs, I actually booked the job. And if not, I'm just going to keep on trying. Smooches for you. Mm. Well, it's been a roller coaster of emotions today with all of our greetings and farewells. But now it's goodbye until next time. So, BCs, until we say hello in the next episode, take care. Because I really, 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 really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound.